The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Samantha Touche. Samantha is a business and mindset coach working with clients all over the world who are looking to launch and grow sustainable and successful businesses. She believes in the power combination of intuition and strategy, and through her A-plus process, teaches her clients to awaken to their purpose, align with their why, act on their learnings, and achieve their dreams and goals. She has written and published a number of books, including Kai Learns to Be Brave and The River of Dreams, both for children, and her first adult novel, A Lifetime of Goodbyes. Samantha, I am so excited to be here talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I am just as excited. I can't wait to have our talk. Great. Oh, yay. Okay, so um, I would love to first start and talk about the amazing things that you are doing uh, these days. Sure. So I help people launch businesses. So it's a little bit different to how I started out in life, but I'm a business coach and underlying a lot of what I do is mindset work as well, because particularly for women, we tend to hold ourselves back in so many ways. So uh, it's, it's a really a holistic approach to building businesses. So a lot of my clients are either wanting to leave a job and particularly in the last couple of years, there's a lot of people that are not so happy anymore or just with what's happened, they've had a different view. You know, they've, they've experienced life in a different way. So there's a lot of people questioning what they want to do now from a career point of view and from a life point of view because, you know, what we do, what we spend our time doing really makes up the quality of our life. So we spend a lot of time working and we may as well make it something that is meaningful to us. And if it's meaningful to us, it will have a purpose and be meaningful to others. So this is, yeah, this is what I'm doing now and I'm absolutely loving it. Get to meet incredible people who are doing amazing things. Some are at the very beginning of their journey. Some people are still working full time and they're doing this on the side. You know, I get a whole kind of mix of people that I am very fortunate to work with. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. And it sounds like 
you are now helping people to find their purpose, live their purpose. Uh, and I imagine that it's because you have at this time found your purpose and I'm living your purpose. So it must feel really good to be able to do that work once you find what your purpose <laughs> <Exactly>. is. <laughs> it's And it's not an easy thing. Like I, if I think of all the people I've come across in my life, I know one person who at the age of 16 knew what she wanted to do. And that definitely wasn't me. <laughs> that was a friend of mine. There are so many people that question things and then stay stuck because, you know, all of us have been, you know, I'm, I'm 44, you know, and I was raised in a traditional way. You go to university if, if you're able to, you get a, a good career, you work for a, a good company and, and you follow that traditional path. It's about job security. It's about saving for your retirement. And we're realizing now that's not the path for everybody. That can be a fantastic way to create a life. Some people are very fortunate that they have a career in an industry that they love with a company they love. And that that's I'm so happy when that happens for people. But a lot of people now are saying, you know, either I've followed that traditional path and it's just something's not right. Or I tried to follow the traditional path. You know, I spoke to someone just the other day who had dropped out of college five times, who's really struggled trying to follow the traditional path, and it clearly wasn't for him. So I think now this is where I am having followed the traditional path myself, and I'm now really helping people open up to, to what it's, is meant for them. And it's not always an easy process. You know, it, it's particularly with this, and this is where the mindset piece comes in. We may have ideas, we may get intuition, we may have a feeling, we may have a conversation with someone that pushes us in a slightly different direction. But then what do you do with that? You know, and after a while you get excited, you have this, and I see this in every single person I talk to. They have this idea even if it's not a solid business idea, they just say, I want to change. You know, that is enough of an idea. That's the catalyst to actually do something and take action. And then either a family member or that little voice in their head says, mm, no, you shouldn't. That's a really bad idea. You know, look at what's happening in the marketplace right now. You know, the stock market's not going well. You've got a job. You should stick to that. There's so much conflicting advice out there and people get confused. And when they're confused, they stop. They don't take action. And I think that is something that, you know, I feel it's a real privilege that I can help people with. It's, it's one way to help people. There's many ways to help people uncover the life they want. And I'm focusing on what they spend their time doing and, and how they earn money. And it, it's such a, a privilege to be able to do that. So a lot of it, like you said, is mindset and learning to trust and listen to the internal cues versus the external cues that for some reason, I feel that maybe it's a societal thing we were taught or it was innate. I don't, I don't know, but it just seems like uh, getting outside approval is so important. And that would translate in all different parts of our lives, uh, including, uh, you know, what's going to help feed our families. Uh, so getting to make that transition, I imagine that must be so hard, but perhaps once that occurs, such beautiful things can, can take place and that person can really be a, a beacon of what it looks like and, and inspire others, what it looks like to actually follow internal guidance versus the external noise, yeah, essentially. Exactly. And I, I think it's an important point you make, actually, because 
wanting that external approval is a survival mechanism. And if you think back to, you know, the beginning of human beings as we know them, you you survived by staying in your tribe. You survived by doing what you needed to do to keep the tribe alive. If you were the hunter, if you were the gatherer, if you were the person cooking, looking after the kids, you know, the the wise sage that everyone would come to, everybody had a role. And we, in some ways life, you know, and even, even going back 100 years, 200 years, you did what your father did if you were a man. You know, you if you were a woman, you looked after the house and looked after the kids. In many ways, that was simple because we just did what was expected of us. And, you know, through progress, I think we have this incredible opportunity now to safely listen internally because, you know, life was hard. And we talk about life being hard now. And yes, there are huge, huge struggles. But life was more at the basic level, it was survival. And we needed to listen to what others needed us to do. We had to fit in. And I think nowadays, we've got this huge opportunity. Everything's changing. We can all feel this change. And you will have people that say, this is okay, I'm going to change. And I'm going to listen to that voice. And then there's people who quite naturally are afraid to do that. You know, there's no judgment here. It's, it's a fear that holds us back. And it's that the really primitive part of our brain, hence the mindset work I do with a lot of people because we're programmed that way. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with our thinking. It's just really, really stuck back in the past. And, you know, now this is what I say to people. There are ways to do it. There are many ways to get connected with with our, you know, guidance system. But I think you've got to start externally and I think there's nothing wrong with listening to what people say. But you listen openly with an open heart and open mind and then you go internal and you think, okay, what resonates with me? Because, you know, life, and this is something I've learned, we will be brought the right people. You know, the right people will come to us and those right people may say the wrong thing. It doesn't mean they're going to love you and support you. They may be telling you something that upsets you and that's a gift and i think people don't necessarily realize that they get angry and it comes out of fear and when we can take that step back and and create a bit of space around what's going on sometimes those people are in our life maybe for one day for one hour for one week it doesn't have to be a a long-term relationship with somebody but they can come in at the right time to push you in a direction you know, they make you really angry or they make you really upset. Well, why is that? And when you can create that space and take that step back and go, okay, this is interesting. Why am I reacting like this? It can be the sign you need. So external factors are very, very important, but we need to know what we should listen to and what we shouldn't. And that's where we need to learn. And it's, it's, something some people are naturally good at. Some people need to learn to do, but to listen to that inner voice. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but once you're aware of why we have these thoughts, why we react in certain ways, then you can start to learn to tap into your own voice and really listen to what you need and what you want to do. It does sound like such a delicate balance, like you said, uh, as far as needing the external for survival, at least back in the day, yeah. uh, and even now because yeah. we are such social creatures, uh, but then also looking within. And so I love how you said, take that external guidance, because I think it is important to at least include people who are important to us or 
even the even the naysayers, uh, they have their place. And then go internal and and check in with that as well. And I imagine this is a lifelong process yes. of learning every new situation you come across. Yes. Like just having to really check in and, and almost like exercise that muscle, that intuitive muscle, really. So exactly. uh, that's wonderful advice. Yeah. And, and I think, too, a lot of people I work with are, are mothers. Some some are fathers, but a lot of I, I work with with a lot of women who are mothers, and that's a challenge as well because it's fine when we're I don't know twenty and we're just looking after ourselves. Maybe we're you know doing tertiary studies. Maybe we're in a job, and then you get married or you have a, a serious partnership with somebody, and suddenly it's not just you. You've got to think about that other person. You've got to adapt. You've got to compromise. Then you have kids and suddenly, you know, for some people that can be a huge weight. For some people, it's what they've always wanted. That brings up so many challenges for people. So what I find is that a lot of the clients I help have additional fears and pressures that maybe a single person doesn't have. A single person has completely different pressures, but I see a lot of this coming up with mums who, as you said earlier, you know, this idea of putting food on the table, we need to support our families emotionally, physically, we need to put a roof over their heads. And when you want to start your own business or you want to step outside of what's expected of you or what you've been doing, those fears, that voice in your head will be even stronger because it's not just you. It's, you know, what about the children? Or if you're supporting a parent, I have a client at the moment who's supporting uh, her mother. And, you know, that that's a big financial burden that she happily takes on, but that's something she needs to think about. So again, you know, when there are so many factors in our own lives that if we don't observe them and and really take the time to digest them properly, our brain will jump onto that and say, ah, see, you can't do it. And that will become an excuse. It doesn't mean that we don't need to think sensibly and take cautious action sometimes. I mean, I'm all about really looking at everything from every angle. But when we allow that stuff to hold us back, the external things, whatever they are, to hold us back, we will never, ever be on our true path and and living our true purpose. So it really does take courage and it sometimes takes time. Oh, I imagine so. You know, uh, speaking of you having found your purpose at this time to help people, I want to talk a little bit more about your journey personally. Um, Would you mind taking us back to your childhood and telling us what that was like. Sure. So I'm an only child. I fought against that forever. I still fight against it at 44. I would do anything for a brother or sister. But I grew up in Australia originally. I live in France now. I've lived everywhere. You know, I had a very normal childhood and my parents, and there's a reason I'm saying this, but um, my mom, she stopped working when I was born and she went back to work later on. And my dad at the time when I was young was an engineer. So he's very black and white. And I remember when I was six, I had my first encounter with what I called a ghost. And I remember talking to my parents about it. And mum sort of believed me and dad just said, that was just a dream. Don't be ridiculous and, and shut the whole thing down. Can you explain what you experienced? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I was asleep one night and it got to about midnight. And I say that because I, I had a clock in my room and I can remember seeing the numbers on the clock. Um, and I just woke up suddenly and I looked up and I lived in a very old house and I was, I always picked up on things and I, I didn't know what it was because I was, you know, I was young. And I looked up and there was this woman just standing next to my bed and she was dressed in 
at the time I didn't know, but looking back now, probably late 19th century clothing. And she was crying and she was saying to me, come, but she was mouthing and I couldn't hear anything. I could only see her. And she was indicating for me to follow her. And Oh, I've got goosebumps even now thinking of it. It still really me affects too. me. Oh, my goodness. So many years later. And I remember it's like it's happening now. I grabbed the sheets of the bed. I remember it's a hot summer's night. I, I grew up in Sydney and the summers can be quite hot. Hot summer's night. And I grabbed the sheets and I threw them over my head and I stayed there for hours. And I remember sweating and feeling sick. And finally, it took so much courage. And I pulled that sheet down from my face and she was gone. So I told my parents the next day and yeah, that, that was their reaction. And then it was about three nights later, I was again, I, I suddenly woke up and she was there in my room, but she was dressed all in black. She had a black veil on and I remember gloves, everything. And she was crying and sort of dabbing her eyes and she just looked at me and then vanished. So again, I put the sheets over my head and stayed under there. And it was a couple of nights after that. This was really random. I've never figured this one out. Again, woke up and at the end of my bed, I saw all these bright orange spots. So right at the end of the bed, almost like a, I mean, what I thought later on was, was it a rash? Had someone died? And the feeling I got was that her child had died. She wanted me to help her child. So um, mum ended up helping me try to research as I got older because I dismissed it and I didn't think of it for years and I really closed myself off. We never really found out. We tried to find out what had happened to the family and we, we didn't get very far with the research. But I used, I used to see things. I used to sense things. I would go to people's houses and I could feel someone there. It was, it was one of the only times I saw someone. Normally I would feel people and I could say there's a man in the corner of the room or there's whatever. And it used to freak me out so much. I hated it. And I used to say, I, I don't want anything. No one, no one talked to me. I don't, I don't want to see you. I don't want anything to do with it. And I spent years being petrified, particularly at nighttime. And even now I pick up on things and I, it, it really makes me uncomfortable. But, I mean, that, so throughout my childhood I had these experiences and then really no one to – support me either way. Mum was very open. Dad wanted to just close it down. And no one encouraged me though to to look into it. And I think as I got older, I just, my logical brain said, oh no, this is silly. There's no such thing as ghosts, you know. And I've always been quite religious as in, I've always believed in God. I was brought up in a loosely religious upbringing. So would go to church fairly regularly but there was always this connection. I knew there was something and I've never, as a child, I just didn't have the courage to explore it at all. Mm. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you were telling that story and I got goosebumps too. And isn't it interesting when it's something that really happened? It wasn't just a, a I hate to say just a dream because I know yeah, dreams are sure. very significant too, but versus like a, an actual experience when you're physically awake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, the, how it sticks with us, um, or even if it were a dream and it was a visitation, how it would stick with us. And these are real, real experiences as far as that goes. I have to be careful here because I, now that I know more, I know that dreams are very significant and I know we can get visitations awake. Exactly. <laughs> so, but when it's a really profound experience, it really can stick out. It's interesting because actually I've had lots of different experiences that fall under different categories. And I can really feel the difference. So that was your classic 
visitation by a ghost, whatever you want to call that. I, I know it happened. You know, I, I'm a very, I have a huge imagination. I'm a vivid dreamer and there's a massive difference between the dreams I've had and that experience. You know, then I remember when I was about 13, I think, something like that, early teens, uh, I'd had a huge fight with my parents. There were some things going on in the family. It was, it was a difficult time. And again, I, I took myself away. And I'd always felt that there was support. Like even from the time I was tiny, I always felt like there was something around me. And I didn't know what that was. And over the years, I've looked into guardian angels. I've looked into soul teams. You know, I've I've really tried to figure out what's going on because I felt it from as long as I can remember. And this particular day, we'd had this huge fight. I took myself away. I was devastated. I remember sobbing and just sitting in this, in in my room, sobbing and suddenly I felt hands on my shoulders and I thought one of my parents had come in and because I was so distraught, I actually had my head in my hands and I thought one of my parents had come in and I looked up shocked and no one physically was there, but I saw, and this is really, I found this really hard to explain. I guess you would say I saw with my mind's eye, I saw three people in front of me. What I would say were two men and one woman, but I couldn't physically see them. But I, I could just feel the energy. I couldn't even see the energy. I could feel the energy, two men and one woman. And they were comforting me. And just I felt this total peace envelop my body. And I, I stopped crying. Yeah, I know. I've got goosebumps again. I stopped <laughs> I crying. <laughs> and it was, again, I didn't, I didn't hear anything, but the, I intuitively felt the message was that we're with you. It's okay. Everything's okay. We love you. We're with you. And I think that was my first introduction to what I've, I still struggle to give them a name. I call them my soul team. I keep trying to, I guess, logically look at it and you don't get anywhere with a logical brain. But then when (laughs) I was 19, they saved my life. And I was with someone who witnessed it, which confirmed in, in, in my head, I suppose, because I'm always, I, I am, I have a very spiritual side and I have a very practical side. And that's that business sort of marketing, very practical side of me that sometimes wants to take over. And uh, I was away with some friends and we were walking in this lovely sort of tropical place. We we're walking along a beach and there were a group of really, really drunk guys, like a huge group. All A couple of them I remember were fighting with each other and I just got the strongest feeling to run. And I was with uh, two other people and one of them I said, and one of them was quite a big guy and I remember thinking, oh, is he going to keep us safe or not? And looking at, at the two people I was with and this huge group of very drunk guys and even my logical brain was saying, Mm-mm, get out of there, it's, it's not safe. And to exit the beach, we either had to go past them to get to the next ramp or we had to turn around and go quite a long way back. And I said to, the, to my two friends, what should we do? And they're like, oh, we'll just keep going, don't worry about it. And we got near the, the group of guys and the feeling was, it was almost like I was going to be sick. It was such a strong feeling. And we got to the ramp and went to exit. And suddenly, as we're walking along the road, it was as if a hand pulled me back. And I thought one of them had grabbed me. And my friends saw me physically not full, but sort of lean back as if someone had actually yanked me backwards. And I turned around. There was no one there. That They turned around, couldn't see. And they're like, what just happened? I said, I don't know. Someone just pulled me. And then I heard run. And I said out loud, run. And the three of us just took off. And we found out the next day from the police that there'd been a very violent attack on that beach 
by that group, someone hadn't fared too well out of what had happened after we'd been there. So I guess that's that's a couple of times, you know, I felt this interaction, you know, with something, I guess this energy I've always felt around me and I couldn't explain because it didn't make sense. And here are some times, you know, once when I was so really devastated and once when I was physically in danger that they, whoever they are, stepped in and intervened. Wow. That's always, I feel like it's so always so incredible when we get the physical sensations from them to have had that before. Actually, during an energy healing class, I was uh, playing the client, getting the energy healing, and I could feel a third hand over my like lower uh, abdomen oh. uh, pelvic area. And I was actually having menstrual cramps at that time of the healing. So it was actually kind of perfect. Uh, but it was interesting because the extra hand was over that area where I was feeling the discomfort. Oh. And I, I knew that who was giving me the healing, she was not at that part of me. So my instructor called it angel hands. Um, but that's just that's just amazing. And I'm so glad that you guys are okay. I'm sorry for the person who ended up not being okay. Yeah. But uh, glad that uh, you guys were okay. And I wonder if when you were explaining the story, when, when you know, your friends saw you get pulled yeah. back and you said run, were they thinking like, oh, she said run because a ghost touched her <laughs> or run because they knew that the situation wasn't going to be good with these guys? I, it's funny because I, I'm very sensitive to groups of drunk people. I don't know why. It's just something that I've, I've always been. I really get scared of, of and I'm talking when they were drunk, they were very loud, they were raucous, really, really being quite violent. Well they're unpredictable. That's, that's exactly. Unpredictable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess, you know, as a woman as well, I, I you know, I feel differently. I was with two guys. One of them I said could definitely defend himself, but it was funny seeing their reaction. And in fact I think when you see it through somebody else, so you can tell a story but people may, you know, there's always that slight doubt, but they had physically seen something. And I think seeing their reaction where they they were really freaked out by the whole thing. But I think the whole entire situation just, you know, we we got back to the, the hotel we were staying in and, and met up with the rest of our group and told them and everybody just went, oh, this is crazy. It's too much. And we kind of moved on with the evening and we never really debriefed or discussed it. And it's, again, something that I then thought, oh, I, I tried to dismiss it. My mind tried to dismiss it, but th- there's no explanation. I didn't trip because I would have gone forward. You know, I was physically pulled backwards. So, so I guess I guess that's. So I've seen you know the, the ghost encounter. I've had that encounter several times with the soul team, and then the other thing that's happened. And the reason I'm saying all this too is because I still have these. You know, my mind still questions it, but. My, my grand, one of my grandmothers died uh, when I was 12 and I was extremely close to her. And she, so she'd had cancer. I knew she wasn't well, but my parents didn't tell me she died until uh, a couple of days afterwards because I'd had exams at school and they, you know, like they tried to protect me and they knew I'd be devastated. So they let me get through the exams and then, and then told me. And I didn't even want to go to her funeral. I just couldn't even face the fact she'd gone. So I remember I stayed outside. That The funeral was held in this beautiful place with a gorgeous garden and I stayed outside in the garden and one of mum's friends stayed with me. We just walked around the garden and we just talked about Nana. And I suddenly turned – so this was – I don't know now. 
it was less than a week after her death, let's say between three and five days. I don't remember exactly. But um, I remember turning to this family friend and I suddenly said, without thinking, it just came out, I said, she's gone now, she's okay. And I'd felt this release. And I know there's different ideas about how long we stay and when we transition and what happens, but this was my own experience that she had been somewhere waiting and then she'd been released. And it was, and I've got goosebumps again, it was this this feeling I've never had in my life. It was like a split second's insight into what she was going through and it was total peace, like just beautiful freedom, lightness. It was incredible. And a short while after that, I was still really struggling with her death. And I remember one night as I was getting ready for bed, just saying to her as if she was there, I I really miss you. You know, I never felt like I got to say goodbye. And I think because she'd been so sick at the end and I was only 12 and she lived in a couple of hours away from, from where we were. And I never got to see her. And my parents told me afterwards that, you know, when I was older, they said they didn't let me see her because she deteriorated so quickly and had lost so much weight and was, was really very skeletal and, and they wanted me to keep memories of her when she was better. So I never got to say goodbye and I think that really bothered me. And then so that night I was very, very distressed and upset and, and calling out to her mentally but, you know, trying to reach out to her and saying, oh, you know, I miss you, I miss you. And that night, now, you know, some people may call it a dream, but she came to me and it was as if I was allowed into a different dimension, a different plane, whatever word you want to use. But I got to spend 24 hours with her. So we were back in her house and she said to me at the beginning, I'm doing this so you can say goodbye. We're going to spend this time. At the end of this time, you need to release me. And I had the day with her and I remember I, I spent the night with her. I, it, it's like it's happening now. We, we stayed. So my grandfather had died when I was very young and when I was really little, I could sleep in her bed if I was doing a sleepover at, at Nana's house. I'd sleep in her bed with her. And I spent the night in her bed and when I woke up the next day, I remember seeing the light coming in through the window in her room and she said, now it's time. And I released her and I woke up and I was totally at peace. So that's another experience. I've had all these experiences. These are like the main ones. I've had lots of little things in between. But there's so many things around us when we open our minds to it. And throughout the years, I've just really struggled with that idea because, again, back to societal expectations. If you talk about this stuff, people look at you like you're completely crazy. Not so much now. I think people are realizing that actually there's so much more to life than we see. But I kept it quiet. I didn't, you know, and even other experiences, as I said, I could walk into houses. Even now, I can sometimes walk in and if there's been a death, I can say who it was roughly their age. I can see them with my mind's eye. I've done this so many times. (laughs) It really freaks people out. And I've got so many friends. Uh, We stayed, when when I turned 40, we stayed in this beautiful, really old villa in Italy and it was kind of falling apart. (laughs) It was so beautiful, but really, really old. And I was able to say what had happened in that villa. And then we researched it and found out that what I was feeling was true and it had been occupied by Nazi Germany that region was occupied by Nazi Germany during World War II and this particular house had been occupied by by German soldiers. And I could even say what had happened. And my husband researched it afterwards and found out. And this was a surprise. I didn't book this villa. This was a surprise for me for my birthday. So there's, you know, these things I can 
do an experience and I keep, I guess, closing off to it. Imagine what what you could do if you opened up. <laughs> I know, but oh, even the thought of that. I mean, what, what would I see? My goodness. <laughs> Nothing that your soul team knew you could handle. True, true. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. So, I, you know, to continue this um, discussion about uh, these experiences that you've had, one particular experience resulted in the publication of a book. Yes. I'm going to talk about that. Yes. This this was a very interesting experience. So I, as a business coach, I wanted to write a book about marketing, about building businesses, and um, a little bit about the ego and mindset. So I was in the throes of writing this book and very haphazardly, you know, synchronicities, but at the time it felt like this really random thing. A publisher, in fact, she wasn't a publisher at the time, but another author was running some workshops, some writers retreats. And she, I'd met her, it was this really strange way that I'd I'd come across her. And she said, look, I've got a spot. Would you like to come along? It was just a a one day writing retreat. So I'm like, okay, because I had this non-fiction book in my mind. I thought, yep, great. I'll go along and do that. And she's very spiritual. So we spent a lot of the day listening to particular types of music, doing meditations, and we'd meditate or visualize something. And then we'd go and write for 20 minutes or half an hour. Then we'd go back and do another visualization. And I think just through that process, it opened up another part of my brain. And she was really trying to tap into our intuition, but also our creative side. And throughout that day, I kept writing my nonfiction. And it was a bit strange going from visualization to writing about marketing. It sort of, it, it didn't gel so well. <laughs> and I left there and everybody else was writing these amazing books, these incredible stories. So I left and, and I went home that night and still with my head in this nonfiction book and I was cleaning my teeth. And do you know when you do things like sometimes driving a route that you do every day. Like it's, you don't have to think about it or you're cleaning your teeth or you're having a shower or everybody has their, their place where they can zone out. So I was in that kind of spaced out mode, cleaning my teeth. And suddenly this life flashed before my eyes. And it, it was the weirdest thing. It was like someone almost hit me in the head. It wasn't painful, but it was just this massive download into my brain. And I started crying I've got the toothbrush in my mouth. I'm sobbing. My husband was was already in bed reading and I went out to him and I'm trying to talk to him with the tooth. I didn't even realize I still the toothbrush in my mouth. And he's <laughs> looking at me saying, what happened? Like two minutes ago, I'd gone in perfectly normal and I've come out sobbing with the toothbrush. <laughs> and I got rid of the toothbrush and I said to him, I can't talk. And I picked up my phone and I just started typing into my phone everything I was seeing in my mind and he looked at me and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, Shh, don't talk to me. And I'm trying to get everything frantically <laughs> down. And what it was, was I saw this man's life. And he came to me. It was at the end. of He just died. This is the feeling I got. He had just passed over. And he had this story to tell. And he had regrets. And he hadn't achieved what he had been there to achieve was was the feeling I got. And none of this made any sense to me at all, at all. But I just literally jotted down what his house looked like, his his wife, his kids. I, I knew his whole life story. I even knew the number of the bus he used to get every day to go to work. I saw the bus. So I wrote down the bus number. Finished that. that I, I don't know. Maybe that took me half an hour to just download everything. So my husband's still sitting there thinking, what is going on? 
And the thing is, the reason I was crying is because I saw the end of his life. And I won't say because it's in the book, but it was it was a beautiful crying, but it was also the crying I I had this moment I shared with him that was so intimate that in reality no one would have shared with him except it was just him and, and his wife. But I was witness to this and I felt his feelings and I felt his journey and I felt the tug to where he needed to go. But I was also crying because this was a man who never lived his true purpose. He followed and I'm getting goosebumps again, he did what he was expected to do. So, you know, he grew up, from, from what I could tell from his age, he was born in the 1940s. He grew up in England living a very traditional life. He did what his parents told him to do. He had some rivalries with his brother, very traditional, two parents, two kid family, middle class, uh, just outside of London. And he never, ever, ever listened to that intuition. That intuition knocked him on the head so many times and so many things happened in his life and so many things and people came across his path. But he said, no, I can't. I can't do that. And when he was younger, and this is what I saw, all of this in, in the matter of seconds, I saw him talking to his father about what he really wanted to do. And I saw his father's reaction. And, you know, the job he wanted to do was not a traditional go to the office, earn a good living, support your family, find a good wife, you know, that kind of thing. It just didn't fit with any of that. And the feeling I had, he, he, it was this really strong urge. I, I couldn't not write his story. So the next day I got up, one at my, my older son had just started school. He was at school. My younger one was still a baby. And as soon as my, my younger one did his nap, I just sat at the computer and started telling his story. And everything I'd seen from his childhood to things that happened between him and his wife to him raising his own children, I saw all of that and I just wrote it all down. And so that's how this book came about. So the nonfiction, I haven't even picked it up again. This is, this, I need to. <laughs> that's gone like on the, on the shelf. And I never, I never knew his first name. And this has really bothered me. And someone said to me once, they said, do you know where he lived? Because I could try and look him up. But his name's Mr. Jones. I can see his house. I know his bus number. I know roughly the area where he lives. But unfortunately, Jones is not an unusual surname, particularly in the UK. So I've really struggled to find out who he is and find out more about him. But that experience, that was not my imagination. You know, this guy, his life, I mean, none of that. I can't relate that to anything I know, that anything in my own experience. And I truly think I'd been at this writing workshop and I think I had tapped into maybe an intuition I'd been blocking. You know, as I said, I keep blocking it throughout my whole life. I keep getting these really strong urges and feelings. And I think, no, logical brain says that doesn't make sense. Push it away. And he was stronger than I was. And he took over. And I, I wrote it. It took me, I think, in total from start to finish two months and the book was ready to be published. And that was including rewrites. And actually, there weren't that many rewrites because it was his story. It wasn't me trying to force this fictional character into doing things. I literally wrote what I saw. So that, you know. A true download. Yeah, literally. It was incredible. Yeah. Would you like to share uh, the title of the book and where, where listeners can buy it if they wanted to? Sure. It's called A Lifetime of Goodbyes. And uh, I, I write under my own name, so it's it's under Samantha Touche, T-O-U-C-H-A-I-S. And that can be bought anywhere. It's listed with all the major retailers, Amazon, all of those places, all the online, offline. 
so you can get that anywhere. Wonderful. When I first heard about that book, you were actually a guest on another podcast yes. uh, that I love, Past Lives Podcast. And I heard you talking about this book. And as soon as I heard you talking about it, I purchased it because I was so interested <laughs> to hear <laughs> Thank you. because of the background behind it, especially how it came to you as a download. So uh, very fascinating and such a wonderful way for for Mr. Jones to you know, help others uh, in perhaps a way that he wasn't able to in life. And how lucky is he that you, uh, that you took the calling to do it. Yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> so. it's interesting you put it that way because I, I do believe that we all get opportunities to make the world better, to share messages, to share our learnings. And, you know, I, I see everybody is equal, but we all have different gifts. You know, no one's better than anyone else. But we are here with a reason, with a purpose. We have certain things we're good at. And even as a mum now, you know, I have two children and we're in the French schooling system and it's very, you have to kind of fit into the, the pigeonhole and, and that's it. Like this is, this is what you need to be. And I'm really grateful because my older son has this incredible teacher who's very open-minded. But I see, you know, these struggles where, you know, he has to do well in, in math. He has to do well in grammar and uh, French writing and all of this stuff and learning poems. And it's really hard to sometimes admit that actually maybe being really good at French grammar isn't going to get you down the path you need to go down. You know, and so I think that's what I love about Mr. Jones's story. And that's why I'm so grateful he came to me because, you know, we all have these opportunities to download stuff, to tap into things that are around us. But most of us either don't know how or we're too afraid to. And that's because of that experience as well. I now bring that into a lot of my coaching. And not everyone wants that. You know, we're not going to sit there. We're talking about building businesses. It's, it's fun and it's exciting and it's, it's what I love. But it's really making sure that that aligns with what we should be doing, what we what will make us happy, you know, what will bring us joy and where we ex experience joy when we're living our purpose, when we're not trying to fit in with somebody else's expectations, when we're listening to ourselves. That's when we're at most at peace and that's when joy can enter. And I think with Mr. Jones, his story is so common. I think that's what really profoundly affected me. You know, and I've had people write to me that have read the book that, you know, people that one woman, I remember she wrote to me, she read the story to her child and as, as a teaching opportunity to say to, the, to her daughter, live the life you want. And what amazed me with her story is she said that she had been bringing her child up, raising her child to follow this traditional path. And she said now she's completely changed her mind about things. And, you know, she, she's in the States and I know it can be very competitive with college and getting the right degrees and, and jobs and it, there's a lot of pressure on people. And for some people, that, that is the right way to go. You know, and I look at my background, I'm so grateful for every experience I've had. I'm so grateful that I've got my degree. I've got, you know, everything I, that I've done is, is wonderful. But I think having this awakening and realizing that life is what we make of it when we listen to ourselves. And if someone is as simple, and I say that with love, but as simple as Mr. Jones, he had such a, a simple, normal in air quotes, life, and yet he's had such profound learnings, but only through this process of letting go of his life and saying goodbye to his loved ones that he did after he died. That wasn't something that he did on earth. You know, if he can teach us that, it's, it's wow, there's so much hope and potential for all of us. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's amazing how that story really can transform people's lives, no matter where they are in the world and how people can relate to that story in some way of Mr. Jones. So, so again, thank you for writing it and putting it out there and meeting that call to do so. You know, when we, when we first uh, spoke before we recorded, we were talking about, you know, your spiritual awakening or something that maybe resembled something like that. Did you want to share a little bit about what that process looked like for you and whether or not you even called it an awakening? Yeah, I, I think for me, I was born awake and it's been a, a closing, which sounds kind of strange, but, you know, I think I, again, I don't regret anything, but I think I came onto this planet with an ability or maybe just with an awareness. We all have it. We all have it, of course. But I came in with an opportunity to connect maybe with things we can't see in ways that others don't because of fear, you know, that fear. And I can still, it's palpable. When I was telling you that story about the ghost that came into my bedroom, it's like I'm there. I'm that little girl again. And even now, you know, a couple of years ago, we lived, uh, we've, we've moved, changed country a lot. We were living in Germany and the house, we, it was a house we rented and I sensed a really dark presence and it was right outside one of my son's bedrooms. And it really, really concerned me. And it was only after we left that house that my son said to me, Mommy, I can tell you now. He said, every time I'd leave my bedroom to go to the toilet, there was a man behind me. And I thought, oh, gosh, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's really horrible. Um, and I think he's, he's quite sensitive to things as well. So I'm trying to talk openly with him about that so that he's not afraid. But at the same time, you know, we talked about that and said, yeah, I said, that, that's interesting because I felt that too. I said, you're perfectly safe. And I talk about being a mama bear. You know, I'm going to protect my baby cubs. I'm, I'm going to, you know, there's, there's nothing to worry about. But I'm trying to teach my children as well as myself. We're doing this in parallel to just be open because looking back, I think out of fear, and this is true across anything in life. This isn't just a spiritual awakening or, a, or tapping into other elements that, that we can't see with our naked eye. But I think anything in life, we are directed. I'm certain now. I don't believe life is set in stone. I, I'm not a fatalist in that sense, but I believe we come here with a purpose. And I think it's predestined. I think we choose that. We come here and life gets in the way, society gets in the way, the way we're currently structured and all these things we've been talking about potentially block us. They either make us embarrassed, you know, you don't want to talk about it because you've got these, as I did as a child, I sometimes felt a bit embarrassed talking about some of my experiences um, or they, they make us afraid. And I think with anything in life, that fear will absolutely stop us from doing what's right. But it's, it's really important to be open and I think, you know, that's, that's my definition of, of an awakening, I suppose, is being curious and being open because through curiosity, fear at least subsides. It might not go away, but through curiosity, you know, and you look at something and go, isn't that interesting? I wonder what that's about. So whether that's an emotional struggle we're having ourselves with a relationship problem or a situation in life or whether it's on a more spiritual level, things that we're experiencing, things we're picking up on, looking at it through a lens of curiosity rather than fear instantly opens up possibilities. And I think it's a choice as well. You know, we don't have to do what anyone says. 
I believe in in fitting in with other other people, being kind, you know, being considerate, being compassionate. All of that is absolutely crucial, and it's our relationships with others that that awaken us, isn't it? That's really the foundation of our spiritual growth. It's we have people in our life, as I said, that will cause havoc, that will create love, that will do all sorts of things for us. And I think when we're curious and when we're grateful. And I look back and think of some of the things that have happened. You know, we, we had our, our twin sons who died uh, in between our, our two boys that are, are living on earth. Um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. That, that was beyond tragic. And yet we were even talking about them today. Actually, I was talking about them at, at lunchtime with, with my, my boys and saying, you know, what would it be like if they were alive and, you know, sort of joking about it. Now we were at a point where, we, you know, my, my oldest son was saying, oh, imagine having four boys. What would you do? You'd have to, you know, it'd be chaos in the house. And now we can joke about it. But everything comes to us. There's always a silver lining. We can always be grateful for these experiences. And that to me is probably the the cornerstone or the foundation of a proper awakening. And it's it, it's a choice though. We don't have to force ourselves down any path. But when you're curious, when you come at it from not a place of fear, but just a place of, okay, this is this is interesting. You know, you don't have to love what's happening, but just observe it. Then I think you see possibilities. You see paths opening up that you didn't see before. And you know, that ultimately I think will take us higher or take us closer to to God, to spirit. And ultimately, if you follow those kinds of paths, you're going to have a good life. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong. It doesn't matter what, you know, one person says what your belief is. If you, you feel it and if you listen to that guidance and you live with love and joy as much as you can, then that is a life really well lived. That's just so beautifully said and such a great way to sort of round out um, our interview and our discussion today. Um, I did have one more question to wrap things up. Uh, I mean, you've given such great advice. I am curious, what advice would you of today give your past self? Oh, I love that question. Uh, It's not easy to answer. (laughs) I think really for me, it would be to feel the fear and do it anyway. And by that I mean that now when I look at my life and what I'm doing, this idea, this feeling has been there for probably 20 years. And I stayed in my career. I loved it. There are great parts of my career. It was, it was amazing. But when we're not on our path, things will happen. You know, you'll get a little bit of a, an intuition, then you get a bit of a bump, and then you'll be knocked over. And I think I had to be knocked over to really open my eyes. And that's great because I can help other people now. You know, I've, I, I really had to almost hit rock bottom to be able to wake up to, you know, as, as a lot of us do. But I think that would be the advice. Just trust, you know, trust. You're going to feel fear. Acknowledge it for what it is. Thank it for being there. It's keeping it sa- us safe. It's our ego keeping us safe. It's our, you know, reptilian brain, our primitive brain from, from caveman days. But trust and so much of life, when I look back at my life, despite negative things that have happened, I am so grateful for where I am now. And life doesn't necessarily unfold the way our logical brains tell us it must. And I think as soon as I let go of that control, 
and I'm, I'm a total control freak, so <laughs> that was difficult. But as soon as I, I let go of the big picture and said, okay, I'm going to trust now. I'm going to feel the fear. That's normal. That's going to come up, but I'm going to still take that baby step forward. It's not going to be a leap. I'm not, I'm not running anymore like I used to when I was younger. There's not that corporate pressure. I'm taking baby steps and I'm feeling it with each step. I'm pausing. Does this feel right? Okay, let's take another baby step. Mm, no, that, that's feeling a bit off track now. And I think through pausing, slowing down, acknowledging the fear, not pushing it away, letting it be there, listening to it, but saying thank you, now I know what I'm doing and going ahead. I think, I think that's what I would say. It's safe to do that. Thank you for sharing that. That's really wonderful and, and definitely great advice for all of us, no matter in what capacity we uh, use that advice in, whether it's spiritual, whether it's business, family, anything like that. I am feeling very much inclined to ask you. Uh, your soul team is asking me to ask Ooh. you. <laughs> if you're comfortable with it, of course. It sounds like that they would like to share a message as well, but it's got to come through you. So do you pick up on any messages from them that they would also like to share to the collective for when the listener listens to this, that it would resonate with them at that time? Oh, an image just came into my mind, actually, and it's of my soul team. And I think the feeling I've got, and this, this is something that's quite new to me, even though I've experienced my soul team, as I said, when I was a teenager, uh, this is something I'm really exploring now in sort of contemporary time, is we all have a soul team. You know, we're not alone. And thinking about feelings I've had throughout my life, there are those moments where I felt alone. And then you feel them there. And I think that is the message that I think a lot of people feel like this is it. This is life. That's, there's going to be an end. Uh, they're completely alone. And in the last couple of years, people have been alone, physically alone. That's the message that we're all supported. No wonder they wanted to uh, say <laughs> something through you. You're like, we're, this is what we're practicing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, and it's so true. It's so true. We are not alone. And briefly, just briefly, would you mind explaining what you mean by soul team? Yeah, so soul team for me. So th this is this is an idea, as I said, I'm still exploring. So this, this is uh -huh. kind of hot off the press in from my own brain. But what I've been <laughs> feeling for years and now I'm, I guess, because I'm opening myself up to it, I'm, I'm allowing it to make more sense now. I believe that, and this is the first time I've actually said this publicly, um, I believe that we have this team that waits for us. I think we're connected. So, you know, you talk about soulmates. It's this idea of almost like one of us comes to earth at a time and the others wait and support us. And I think it's the idea I have is that they're there to guide us. So we can you know, pray, we can meditate, however you want to, to put the message out there, but we can connect with them and say, I need help with something. You know, can you bring me somebody who can give me advice, like physically bring me someone into my life? Can you put a book in my path? Can you put a podcast in my path? Whatever it is. And they're there to guide us and support us. And I think, I feel like the soul team's purpose is to help us stick to our, our own purpose as much as possible. So, we, we all understand. So like if I talk about myself, for example, I feel like I've connected with the with these other souls. I feel we're, we're interconnected somehow forever through time. And at the moment, it's my time here. And they know what I'm here to do. I'm still trying to figure it out because I've come into a human form, you know, and I've got this brain, this reptilian brain. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to 
connect spiritually again and, and intuitively and they know what I'm trying to achieve. And there's no pressure. If I don't achieve it, that's okay. You know, we've got time. This is the thing. We're not, time doesn't run out. Time, time doesn't exist in the way we think it exists. So we have this opportunity to be supported, to be loved. And there's no judgment. They're just there to support us and help us. So as little by little, we tap into what we need to do. And whether that is, I don't know, through having a business coach, through your best friend, through picking up your phone to, to call somebody you haven't spoken to in a long time, listen, you know, there'll be those messages there. So that's what I think of a soul team. It's, it's, I don't even imagine it, whether it's someone who's passed recently or not. It's not even at that level. It feels like these are souls I've been connected to for eternity. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, it sounds like as you continue on your journey, we'll have to get back on here and talk again and see what other um, profound moments you've had and uh, downloads and epiphanies. Yeah, I'd love Uh, to. That would be that would be wonderful. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your incredible journey with us and your story and um, just feel so grateful to have you here. Thank you. Uh, It's been such an honor. I've, I've been so looking forward to this all day. So thank you. I've really enjoyed it. And that was another episode of a guided life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, love and light always. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.